stand-up to times has really changed over the last five years. So we didn't feel like sharing with the outside world because we felt like this is crazy. If we see how the interference of tech is today, um, we see the potential dangers when it comes to data, to privacy, to algorithms, like the bias. Haven't we become a slave of technology? That, that was the question that I wanted to raise. Hey everyone, welcome to the Ball.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you. Speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Ball.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. And before we start the show, we have a special announcement. The guest of our show has a giveaway. She wants to share three titles of her book with you. So, we have three options to become the winner of one of these books. Option one is go to LinkedIn, link Sanne, guest of our show, and react on the note of this podcast. Option two is go to the website of Sanne. It's thebubble.com, spelled in Dutch, and leave a me- message uh, via contact over there. Or you, you can react, option three, on Twitter. Go to at ball underscore com underscore tech lab and react on the episode. And maybe you become one of the winners. Let us know why you should read this book. This is how we do IT is the slogan of our tech lab site and podcast. And every now and then we reach out to external guests to hear and to learn from them. And today is such a day. Yes, yes. And I'm really happy to have this external guest in our show. This multi-talent crossed my path the first time. I think it was mid-2019. She released her book, The Bubble. Uh, reason for me to write a review and connect on LinkedIn. And she writes columns for the Dutch uh, newspaper, uh, Financial Dagblad. And one of these uh, columns was reason for me to reach out and invite her for the show. So time to introduce uh, her, Peter Paul. Yeah, her name is uh, Sanne Kanis. She's a tech and media executive, ex-Spotify, Google, Booking.com, TEDx speaker, and a columnist, uh, as you mentioned, and of course, a book author also. So uh, yeah, great to have you here. Thank you so much, guys. And really nice uh, for the invite. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm super excited to share my view on uh, technology today with you and discuss how you uh, perceive it. And uh, Peter, uh, thank you also for like reaching out on LinkedIn and actually giving me feedback on my columns and, uh, and the book. And uh, that, that is very much appreciated and something that an author not get often, either negatively or positively. So I always um, look, basically look forward to like, does it actually resonate with the reader? Yeah. So uh, that's great. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, more checking rounds uh, to get to know uh, you a bit better. Uh, we have this uh, this checking uh, question. So, and uh, because you're an author, I, I think it's interesting for you uh, f- from you to know what is your favorite book to read and and why. Yeah, well, yeah, you guys sell a lot of books I think, to the <laughs> Dutch. Um, and I, I ordered a lot of books from uh, you guys. Um, by so my I see Tim Ferriss as one of my mentors. And not only because he wrote the great book uh, for our work week, which I'm not able to uh, to get to yet, uh, but also like I think his other books on tribal mentors is one of my favorites. So 
that is basically a catalog full of great tips from either inspiring uh, authors or uh, sports uh, people like Maria Sharapova or um, uh, yeah, really thought leaders, inspiring leaders, uh, comedians, like how to basically hack your life away. And not only like efficiency in your uh, your body, your mind, but also your soul. He, I think he drives a lot of awareness for uh, how important it is to also uh, be okay, like mentally, and how important mental health is in conjunction with your uh, your mind and um, uh, relate that to effective outputs uh, in your work and in your daily life. Um, so yeah, I, I really appreciate appreciate him. Cool, cool. Yeah, just before the show, we had a little chat, and you're, I know, there you mentioned that you're also mentoring other people. And is this like really a source for you to yeah. also uh, give back to others? Or yeah, I really uh, like mentoring uh, as well. I, I always looked up uh, at people in my career, and I still do. And uh, like having good mentors is so valuable and that's that's why indeed i chose to help out uh, foundation for journalism netherlands where they support um, upcoming initiatives and startups around media or journalism um, uh, so uh, it's it's great to help them learning to to get like with the agile uh, process and like yeah this, the stuff that you guys know very well uh, but also like no tools and a b testing and uh, how to close your first deal, where to look for in partnerships. And I think it's just really nice to, uh, yeah, to hand over your knowledge. Um, I certainly know, don't know everything, but like stuff that I learned the last uh, 15 years in my career, I'm like, I'm really happy to trans, yeah, transfer that knowledge over to new generation of startups. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Added, yeah. And that's closely <laughs> what we were, what we are trying to do with TechLab, <laughs> that's sharing the knowledge. So that, that's uh, that's good uh, good to hear. Really great. Yeah. So the first dilemma, Sanne, um, and the dilemma is the idea of writing a book is tempting, but think twice before you start. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not sure if I would recommend it, uh, but it has been very fun and very rewarding. Um, but um, I, I think I struggled with the mentality that like the 100% concept and that it's very about perfectionism. Uh, you have to basically um, evaluate every sentence, every uh, word before you uh, actually give it to the, um, uh, to the publisher. And I heard that in my last review, I got uh, feedback from the editor uh, with 17,000 uh, comments that I had to review in three days. And that was just, just a nightmare. Uh, like every single uh, uh, um, comment I had to review. And it's it's not something that you can outsource, uh, which I think I was very um, used to in working in tech, right? Like where you work from 80, 20 and pretty much work towards something that is uh, an MVP, uh, a minimum yeah. viable product. Uh, but here there was that was not possible, so <laughs> um, I struggled with that. But I liked it a lot, and I li I really liked the creative process of the struggle and the mentality of um, you know you, you, one day you think like oh this is amazing, and the other day you think like oh this is this sucks, and then you just build the constant the confidence cycle, and you 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 learn to recognize when you're in that cycle. Um, which I, which I, for me, was uh, very um, 
yeah, very, very good, I think, to be out of my comfort zone. Uh, but uh, making the switch from PowerPoint during the day and uh, prosa uh, writing in the evening was sometimes also difficult um, in making sure that I didn't have like really short bullet points in sentences or really long narratives when I showed up on the work floor. Um, but it, it's it's a great way, I think, to 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 keep your uh, brain fit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's good to maybe, maybe before we go to the questions to to ask this next uh, dilemma, um, uh, but uh, the audience will understand what we mean with uh, with ethical issue in that later on the talk. So although I think a lot of stuff I saw or was involved in, I see now as an ethical issue, I would do it again. I think uh, with the, the sign of the times has really changed over the last five years. So I think what we know now, um, uh, we can't basically apply the, the behavior from then to, to now. That's when I think back about um, how we deal, dealt with diversity or like ethical issues, like lack of compliance. I don't think that's gonna fly now. And that 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 is that ranges from I think Christmas behavior, a Christmas party behavior, or um, uh, let's say I remember a campaign that we did for uh, one of the brands I worked uh, involved, Zwarte Piet, Black Piet, uh, of course, and that that had definitely challenges with buying from international uh, locations where we had to explain over and over why we wanted to do it, but. Definitely now that wouldn't be coming up in our strategy at all. So I, I really, uh, really think that um, yeah, would you do it again? It's in the end, it's a combination of of culture, your own individual values, and how you identify yourself versus I think the collective. And um, I think the collective moral values have changed so rapidly that individual values also have changed to that pace. Yeah. Okay, maybe it's good to go uh, through it step by step so we uh, understand uh, better where, where it comes from, this uh, this uh, reaction on this statement. So, um, yeah, going back in time, uh, Sanna, the, uh, you started, uh, um, uh, you did a master in uh, musicology. And then you decided to start working for Google as an account strategist. So that already asked for an explanation, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see that um, the uh, contradictory, but like I, I really liked uh, music. Um, I started with law, uh, which I finished the first year, but I was just not really motivated to finish and I um, one of my dreams were to work in on like business level in a music institution so either uh, a concert venue or uh, AUB like a ticketing organization here in Amsterdam that those were the kind of organizations that I wanted to be part of but then not as a maker a music uh, maker or creator but on the business side as I thought like yeah it's just like fun being in marketing or acquisition or deal making um, but I knew that I never had like experience or business acumen and I never pretty much opened an excel sheet or powerpoint slide in my note and I needed I, I knew that I uh, need would need much more business acumen. Um, so I thought, like, let's apply either at publishers 
but I was rejected at uh, Wegener or, or Elsevier. I tried Google and um, for some reason they saw uh, added value um, and then I could start there. And Google is like one of the uh, employees that really want a kind of, like, kind of like, like a rainbow of employees with different backgrounds, either economics, uh, law or English, history, minority, like the, the more variety, the better. Uh, so th that worked well. Okay, great. And after Google, you uh, you went to Spotify? Or? Yes, yeah. yeah. Then after five years, um, uh, I think the passion for music um, was like surfacing a bit better. And I noticed that after f almost five years, uh, my career had basically flatlined. Like I didn't know really how to stay curious and how to stay hungry for the next project. And um, it was either yeah, moving to a different office uh, out of Amsterdam, uh, international office, but I didn't have that much um, yeah, international desire at that point. And then Spotify opened up an office. So I was like, well, that's great. That's where I can combine tech and also my passion for music. Um, so I reached out and I could start as an account manager. Um, and then um, after one year, they asked me to head up strategy operations for uh, Europe, uh, which was building out the commercial part, um, so the paid version of Spotify and understanding where offices like what kind of advertisers um, did we need uh, how to deal with the formats developing of pricing strategy and all uh, everything related and that, that was like super interesting time but we didn't have a clue what we were doing but we um, there was definitely good leadership in place uh, but we just were excited by making music a better space like uh, because piracy was so big then that we saw like oof th this can like go really badly for uh, creators and musicians and is there a way that can make this eternal jukebox um we were super passionate about it. um but at that time like it could either go like MySpace uh, or, you know, Groove Shark. Uh, they, they didn't really survive. Um, and, and there were times that I felt like, I'm not sure. So, uh, but so but much, then, uh, yeah, you, you cannot imagine it nowadays, of course, eh, with the Spotify we know uh, from, uh, from nowadays. But back then you had to compete with the pirates, but also with the... Uh, actually the the, the 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 old way of working because they don't didn't believe by back then in in uh, the, the jupiter system uh, you were uh, you had exactly in mind. Yeah. yeah exactly it was like really disruptive and i think uh having that in an old way uh old old distribution model that was dominated by record labels was tough to prove uh like innovative way um that you that there would be a way that works users creators and advertisers that was just a bit too far-fetched for record labels but eventually they they did buy into and became shareholder partially for spotify um uh, and um uh, yeah 10 years streaming is the most consumed platform for music um uh, but it is i think uh, uh, 
to draw a line with uh, podcasting, it, it is, I think, happening again there, where it's uh, it's tough to get buy-in from existing um, uh, yeah, companies like on this. And, and you see that media companies struggle with it, like either if you're a newspaper or radio or TV house, like, oh, what you're going to, yeah, what is your plan? What is your audio strategy? And that's... Um, I see a lot of parallels there with uh, the music business. Yeah. So history repeats. Yeah. yeah. And after um, Spot, uh, Spotify, you, you went to booking? Exactly. Yeah. So I I did a lot of sales and business development and operations uh, throughout my career, but I felt that I lacked, uh, that I lacked product marketing um, experience. And this was a great way to understand agile working, A-B testing, uh, Scrum. So I really liked the process and getting like a sneak peek into their uh, testing kitchen, but also working with uh, on a large scale, on a like really large loyalty program, which I was responsible for and understanding to be and B2C combined um, and how to define the, the right go-to-market strategy was for me super interesting and like how to test uh, every single proposition. Um, uh, but after a year, I realized this is too far. Like the, the company is too big for me. Um, I'm much more an, an entrepreneur uh, than I can be here. Um, I'm spending a lot of time on uh, creating buy-in internally, which is of course needed if you're an organization like that. But it wasn't really my uh, strengths, I think. Um, so I, I really felt uh, the urge to uh, become an entrepreneur and help startups. Um, working with them gave me such great energy, you know, um, and, and learning from them, working with them, sharing like frameworks and templates and stuff that I learned. But, um, you know, feeling that energy again when you're 25 or 28 in your building, you have a dream and a passion. That was super rewarding for me to uh, to help them where I could um, and, and work on the book site, uh, uh, yeah, book on the site. Um, but it was also scary, you know, it was, uh, I think, definitely the scariest time were to leave all those big uh, giants where you had the comfort of lunch and uh, a gym and uh, a, a salary and all of a sudden you had to fight for customers <laughs> chase them to pay yeah. your, in, um, uh, your invoice uh, but yeah that, i think you just play out on a bigger scale of happiness like there is definitely lower downsides but very like higher upsides uh, as a return yeah and uh, what in the <clears throat> experience there made you really like spark you to to write the book that that we're that that you started writing the bubble so i think a combination of uh, elements that i moved back from london after five years to amsterdam uh, to work for booking i realized that i really miss my mother tongue and like being able to make jokes in dutch and uh, like so i got the spark back from the dutch language so i uh, applied for uh, a course on how to write a column um, and then i submitted some work to uh, some newspapers and magazines and they all said like well you you kind of have a nice um, yeah, nice writing style, but actually we only work with celebrities or writers. And then I thought like, oh, I can try to write a book. 
uh, then maybe then they will take me serious. Um, so then happened that I started writing and be, uh, you know, be, be uh, much more, uh, yeah, busy with like blogging and like, yeah, 10 uh, blog posts with maybe 10 readers, but that's how you start, right? Uh, but then second of all, I was also like, um, taking a step back, especially when I left booking, I realized and started reflecting on what I've done and what I was in, kind of like culture and the anecdotes and all the, the memories that we cherish with uh, former colleagues, but also felt like, oh, this is so weird. And sometimes it felt like a cult um, and you wanted to, to share, don't, uh, you, you, you didn't feel like sharing with the outside world because you felt like this is crazy. Um, but on the other hand, you uh, there. I also felt the need. Yeah, this is a story that we need to tell, and there need to be more awareness for the tech world. And if we are not careful uh, to address this in society, then then this will result in the same uh, things that happen in the financial sector, and that there there will be an equivalent of Lehman Brothers. Um, so I also felt the urge from yeah, come on guys, like. We need to discuss this, and and I wanted to raise that in a funny way because I thought I'm not able to write a management book, and no one will read it. Like um, so, I, I thought um, keeping it close to like an the office kind of setting uh, as you like uh, would maybe resonate more with my readers. Hey, Estelle, would would you say that <clears throat> if you say this is crazy stuff, I can yeah talk about this with people who are not in this scene culture whatever you call it was that also in a way where uh yeah what happened there uh yeah basically collided with your personal morality is that if, you, if you're looking back at it yeah i think so in some ways it is like i think definitely when i started working in 2007 i was also very green like a rookie and i just finished college and i didn't have a clue what uh, working uh, entails and uh, but all of a sudden I got a laptop and a plane ticket to uh, Dublin and uh, uh, we went from uh, eating lobster to the next party and I was suddenly just like e propelled into this um, uh, new culture. So then I think there is a slippery slope of um, I think also moral values uh, uh, along the way. I think, mm -hmm. yeah, there there is this is um, closing the gap from your individual uh, values versus your collective values. And if they are too far away, you um, I think either uh, you fight for your own needs, but the other thing that happens, I think, the most in organizations is that you just narrow the gap and come closer to each other. Um, so, and that that is, I think, part of the culture that um, that you're sucked basically into that culture and that um, that raising questions about um, the culture is a no-go because it's um, it's something that's happening, but um, um, you basically don't want to burst the bubble where you're all part of. That's extremely but. difficult, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so this this story is about uh, about this lady that that goes in this this uh, uh, startup. Uh, it, it starts with I think uh, in, in, yeah the in the beginning of the period it, it's it's ramping up in the story. Yeah? It's getting 
uh, stranger and stranger, starting with parties, but but ending up with with real uh, yeah, huge events and and trips to uh, to islands somewhere to do uh, just a, a team building or a, a brainstorm session. Uh, but it me it made me realize that in in one of my uh, companies I worked for, we had this 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 kind of sessions as well that you you come together after six months uh, after joining and and you do a, a a real huge party in in a town somewhere with uh, every, everything can happen uh, the only thing that was not allowed is that you smoke the cigar out of the mini bar in the hotel but everything else was possible to de to, de to declare uh, that had to do with uh, the, the person in the board that was not allowing that part but, but in hindsight it was really strange as you think of it that we were in this bar with a, with a group of 20 25 people all uh, suits and ties and people were looking like oh, what is this group and you get this this strange feeling in the bar already but uh, yeah in hindsight you start to recognize things and uh, uh, yeah but I must be honest with when reading this story Sana that I really was in doubt okay is this uh, is this yourself eh, so autobiographical or is it uh, yeah made up and uh, mm -hmm. so that was what I was curious about uh, was it in hindsight more autobiographical than you thought um, well I think an author uh, gets inspiration from uh, definitely uh, uh, anecdotes and history, uh, personal history, but also like with research or fantasy, right? So I definitely combined the three elements and um, I didn't want to have a um, like a, a personal story per se, because I felt my story isn't like uh, um, maybe not relevant enough to tell, but I wanted to resonate also with more like a, a broader collective. So I did do a lot of um, research and spoke with people who worked at LinkedIn or Uber, Facebook, Netflix um, and adjacent companies within the industries to make sure that um, that there was a that I was looking for the common denominators and like the offside example that you uh, that you just mentioned that is so typical right we all know that yeah. one or the Christmas party or the typical alpha male that uh, makes like really bad jokes or is harassing the intern and like the, the situations that we all can relate to um, well we all can like or that's are uh, that people can recognize or identify with that I thought um, were important to tell. Uh, but there is a lot of ex exaggeration and a lot of stuff didn't happen, but there are definitely some uh, anecdotes in that that did happen. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's like 50-50. Is it also something you as a writer yeah, in a way play with because it also the the curiosity uh, that it sparks in me as a as a reader for has this really happened that and has it happened to Sanne in this case or I'm also currently reading a book uh, where I also know the writer and has this exactly happened or did it go just another way and this is the story there's there's a tension there do you play with it as a writer yeah that's that's I definitely do because you want to leave some mystery, but you also want to um, play with those boundaries of fiction and non-fiction and um, see where you can make it just crazy enough that people would believe like, oh, is this really true? Um, uh, but um, and I actually it's it's the most question asked, like, well, what did happen? What, what happened? Uh, for real? Um, but but I think it's also 
the the question of uh, uh, with art. Yeah, I'm not sure the book falls into art, but I think it's it's more about uh, what you make of it and um, um, how you would interpret uh, interpretate uh, like it's um, that is that is actually um, the, the objective. And not to de de decipher my past. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. So so this is this is the book, and 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 indeed, like you explained, you started writing the book uh, actually for two reasons. Eh? you want you want to be an author, so you can have, uh, but also for <laughs> to address it this ethics part. And um... don't forget, if you became enthusiastic about this book, go to LinkedIn, look for Sanne. Comment on the podcast episode or go to her website, thebubble.com and go to the contact area or go to Twitter and go search for at uh, techlab underscore ball underscore com and leave a comment over there and maybe you will become one of the winners. Uh, yeah, I found out that this became your red line in, in the stories you're now sharing. Uh, you shared it in the book. Uh, you had a yeah, you translate it into a, a TEDx talk. And in that talk, um, you do a call for a moral moral quotient. So um, I found that a really nice translation. Can you can you explain briefly what it is? What do you mean with that? Um, yes, yeah, so I think in, in the tech sector, uh, what we currently see is um, basically the evolution from uh, idealism, uh, where tech initially developed, you know, uh, idealistic products and uh, really with the purpose to connect people and connect uh, to make a better world. Um, but nowadays, uh, basically, the narrative is much more about um, hyper-capitalistic growth and um, the idealism is gone with, and replaced with hyper-capitalistic growth. And of course, there are dozens of examples that of companies that do well and that they're definitely tech for good companies. Um, but I just wanted to, um, I think, hold a mirror for companies, for tech companies, like where is the, the moral aspect and the moral quotient in this story? Um, and building products, tech products, um, should be much more about like, yes, we can build it, but the question would be, should we build it? And there, I think, is um, um, uh, the question that I want to raise is uh, we have like uh, really good developers in uh, working for you guys, but also in other tech companies. But should we lie the responsibility um, of building products without question that to in the hands of a 25-year-old product owner? And if we see how the interference of tech is today, um, we see the, the, yeah, potential dangers when it comes to data, to privacy, to algorithms, like the bias. And that is all embedded in our technology. And I was just really surprised that during my work uh, at big tech companies, there is never like really questions asked about uh, those matters and those affairs um, from an ethical perspective. And from a philosophical perspective, like, is this actually good for uh, society? And of course, like, if you're a stock listed company, then it's all about growth. And yet I understand that. Uh, but I, I think also 
you, there is a, a corporate responsibility to to actually to have that discussion internally. Yeah, because that that's the interesting part. Uh, in the in the book, your <coughs> the the ethic part is mostly about behavior of people and what's happening in 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 those companies. Uh, in the TEDx talk, you also shift towards what you say the the, the usage of data, for instance, and the the algorithms we uh, we build. And I was. Uh, Actually, it was yesterday evening. Was watching this uh, social dilemma uh, Netflix uh, uh, program, and uh, in, in that program, you have this guy uh, was working for Google but quit Google because of these ethical issues. He found out that uh, yeah, the, he, yeah, he, the, the bridge was too, the, the gap was too big, uh, became too big for him. So it's really interesting to um, you know, to have that in, in the back of the mind. But, yeah, uh, no. And I'm glad that you mentioned the, the social dilemma because it means that there is much more awareness, I think, um, exactly. uh, not only from like, like people working in tech, uh, but also from uh, just um, uh, yeah, uh, other people working in tech. And also, like, hopefully that will filter into more legislation and awareness from the government. Uh, because getting back to the, mo the moral leadership and the mo moral quotients, that was something that I felt like, yeah, the, it should be built into next to uh, an, an, an IQ, intelligence quotient. We shifted towards an emotional uh, quotient. And now I think it's really time to step up uh, with moral quotients, where, um, uh, where it's much more about um, finding the balance in all three and understanding what the, the positive impact of society um, we can bring with, uh, with tech. I think actually that COVID and the whole uh, uh, quarantine of over the last months accelerated this and this, the thinking from society around it. Um, we have seen that um, the Dutch government struggles with technology issues, right? If we can conclude that, the yes, we have a, now an app, uh, the COVID app. Uh, it took us six months. There were uh, was a large investment from, uh, 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 on consultancies. Uh, there were a lot of questions. There were two hacks uh, in one week or two bugs found uh, and, two, and one data leakage. So it's basically we can conclude that we struggle with it. Uh, but hopefully this accelerates also uh, the Dutch government inspires them to think like, okay, now we have to really think about how to technology, how to embed technology on uh, a policy level and assign uh, a ministry of digital affairs to it. Um, and that's that's I think the yeah um, the trend that we have seen over the last six months, I guess. In my opinion, sometimes you also kind of lose track, and there are a lot of side effects which are which weren't meant with the technology. Um, and a lot of things that we yeah, have different judgments over as, as consumers are making different uh, uh, decisions. So, example, yeah, uh, but uh, for me also um, a lot boils down to uh, some of the things that are now wrong with technology weren't intended to be wrong. They were like a like button, for example, which, which has uh, in some cases really bad effects uh, nowadays or now we know that they have bad effects but yeah like you mentioned earlier in tech we don't think about everything we just make an mvp see how it works hey people like this and 
and then okay, thousand people like this and things work fine, and then a hundred thousand people like hey, it worked fine. And then we cut to the, this large, a small percentage where it went wrong, and but then we had like 10 million people using it, and then it, at some point in time, it's hundreds of thousands of people having the wrong side effects, and really, yeah. So, so that, that that to me is is how do you, uh, yeah, keep boundaries to that or get boundaries to that? Uh, that uh, something I really struggle with. Do you have any ideas? I think it's a very good point you raised, like, and that is the downside of I think working uh, in an agile way. Uh, that you're optimizing, iterating, and constantly getting like the user feedback, but there should be an endpoint uh, where you involve ethical expertise or um, you know uh, external consultancy on this specific topic to say, okay, is this good enough to launch? Can you check the bias in the algorithms or can you check data? Yeah, um, of course, that, that puts a very uh, maybe a negative effect on innovation capacity. And I'm sure that a lot of big companies don't want to involve uh, those mandatory checks. But I do think that like we do in accounting, uh, it has uh, uh, definitely an added value if we ask, uh, well, in the in case of accounting, we ask EY or uh, so-and-so to, to, you know, to check um, the, the status of, um, of business and affairs. And why don't we do that for, uh, uh, for technology as well? That's, that's, that's I think, the, the direction that we should be going. <laughs> and that this basically should be so the assessment should be about the impact of the technology that that's put out there and that's being used by consumers. Yeah, I I have seen a lot of um, drafts and toolkits for like you know how to think about it um, uh, and how to help your company with uh, uh, ethical expertise. So they play around with the impact, but also how it's built. Uh, if it's uh, uh, if there's diversity included, if it's um, uh, if it's playing to your company values. Um, so I think you have to look at at it from all angles. Um, not only the impact, but also how it's built, um, and then should we launch it? I don't have the silver bullet, so I'd love to get your thoughts on how how, how to make that better. I think it's already very good that we, that we share stories around this uh, this topic, right? Like in in, in ways like this. Um, <laughs> but because I also see documentaries that that talk with people, uh, startups in Silicon Valley with with great ideas. And those people just say, no, we invent stuff here, so we enable. And the the the, the moral discussion is not on our plate. Eh? That should be done in in government or somewhere else. So uh, that's that's yeah. If they think like that, then yeah, you might end up in situations like this. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, and yeah. I I also have a lot of sympathy for that position, right? Like you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to innovate and not um, uh, crossing checks of compliance discussions and uh, going through code of conducts, but. There, uh, I think, like uh, with the parallel of finance, like there's there should be like proper accounting. So why why not proper code of conduct or compliance when you build products? Um, I, and I think it should go hand in hand with internal uh, internal checks and balances, but also 
uh, with a sense of external um, uh, regulation as well. And if that doesn't happen from external regulatory of, um, uh, institutes, it'll never happen, right? Like there's no incentives then for, for tech companies. But it's the end game where uh, if you if you do work towards those like uh, uh, like getting moral leadership in place you can play that to your advantage and i, I think it's great what patagonia does already with like corporate responsibility you see a rise of b corps um yeah, like last week there was a big discussion about um uh, you know uh, should we maybe Think, rethink leadership and ownership of companies with uh, the rise of steward leadership. Um, like booking was under pressure uh, during Corona uh, because of the um, application for uh, uh, government support. And then uh, on the back of it, there was a new initiative, betterbooking.nl. And I think that got a lot of attention, like, okay, what is the, the functionality of those companies and of those platforms? And is there still added value? Um, which I really like as a discussion that the society thinks about it like, yeah, actually, I want to really support the local hotel or the local bakery or the local taxi uh, owner and not necessarily uh, have another app and um, uh, make people in Silicon Valley rich uh, with my local by ordering my local taxi. Um, so I definitely see a tipping point in this thinking, the awareness and also the alternatives that are coming, um, which I think is uh, is great. Yeah, it's a nice bridge you're uh, you're making there, Sander, because uh, in one of your columns uh, in in the Financial Dagblad, you're talking about uh, sorry for uh, shining out, but the platform bitch. Uh, the, the title is called How the Platform Ec Economy Turns Us Into Helpless People. Um, I, I think the story is about uh, uh, this lady that talks with uh, with her mother. Uh, uh, mother asks, "Why? What are you eating tonight?" And the lady says, "I don't know. Uh, depends on uh, this uh, this box I have to receive. So I, I don't know yet." Uh, I think that's the, the line of the story. So was that also ethics related or is there another background? And for us, of course, as platform, Bull.com, it's also nice to, to know your insights in that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, um, and, and I'm not definitely uh, washing my hands here, but I think I'm a results or even a platform bitch myself. But I think my, my, my message was really that um, tech, technology has brought us so much, right? Like the diversity of uh, communication and services that we can. But the downside is, is that it all makes us lazy and haven't we become a slave of technology? And that, that was the question that I wanted to raise. Like um, the alternatives are so uh, sometimes so tough. Uh, no, if it's um, well, nah, yeah, cooking is not, not necessarily really cook, uh, tough, but because the option is there and I can order a book that uh, gets on my doormat next next year and the next day. Um, it is so tempting, um, but from a society perspective, like, is that really something like a trait and the, like behavior that we want to create, or is it much more interesting from um, to create a full generation of people that that have crafts, uh, uh, like a certain craft and certain you know skill sets, um, which were basically. Um, uh, missing out on with with all those technology that makes our life better 
better on short term, but not on, on I think, long term. Okay, is, is that then also the reason? Eh? I saw that you uh, like this new platform for kids uh, on, on LinkedIn. Um, I, I, I'm not sure I pronounced it correctly. It's Q and I Q R. Knicker. Knicker. So the coin drops. Thank you. <laughs> so, well, I, I'll I'll loop the feedback back. Um, but um, no, actually, it's um, it's interesting that you raise it. But I was um, uh, I helped the founders with it. Uh, so it, it's uh, Knikar, and it's like one of the founders is Dart. So it was a reference to the marble, to the Knikar, um, and their purpose was uh, to build a platform to um, yeah to raise awareness for financial literacy in the UK, and it's quite high there. So. Um, they envisioned a platform that uh, that helps kids navigating uh, financial um, knowledge, uh, giving them tools, giving the ability to swap their toys, um, to invest uh, like really small amounts, um, and to get familiar with with finance. And I think that is actually like such a great skill that um, that that is not a part of the curriculum nowadays. And they saw a gap. And what Jamie Oliver did for uh, from no better uh, nutrition in schools that's basically uh, where they want to play and position themselves so to to own that domain and to to educate and inspire kids to be more entrepreneurial and more savvy and more financial savvy so it's it's uh, it's indeed the idea behind it in in and in, in, uh, not not exactly the the platform itself the platform is a good uh, good way to uh, to do so yeah yeah, but uh, you know, like um, there is of course concern, and that is um, definitely when you work for this um, younger age, you have to think about a lot of uh, like privacy and data control. And they were definitely very keen on uh, thinking about principles that they had as a company, like not per se working with Google and Facebook. And if they could uh, do without, then that would be their preferred methodology. So. Um, that that's why I uh, also supported them uh, from that uh, new way of thinking. Yeah, like if we want to build a new ecosystem, uh, but how can we do that without big tech? Um, but also trying to still build a business, and that is still, I think, a conundrum, like a puzzle that is uh, difficult to solve. Um, and um, you have to also think about the future, like how big is the is this platform going to be? Do you want an Amazon for kids, um, or or do you want to be still like a local uh, local player? Um, and I think that is something that I struggle day to day with when when advising startups. They're um, they have first the ambition to do it differently than the the big Goliath, and then when David gets bigger, um, then and there's an opportunity to get bought by one of the big tech companies, then of course they do it. Um, <laughs> which you can't blame them for. Yeah. But yeah. then yeah, the initial purpose of starting a startup um, basically is faded away uh, when being absorbed by by a larger company. But yeah, yeah. like and, and that is I think a problem that we have today that, that there is only uh, just a few players. But luckily we have a local good alternative for Amazon. <laughs> 
Thank you. Hey, what? Yeah, and there's also good alternatives for that alternatives, I guess, to also push a little spotlight on it. Because I think that scale is really important because that really uh, gives you the opportunity to influence. The scale on which you can influence people is really important in that because that will really impact whether you can. Yeah, if you're a local butcher, you can impact yeah the village that you're in, maybe. But if you're on a, a European or a, a Chinese or a, a Northern American scale, yeah, then you you get a whole society uh, uh, that, that you can influence. So I think skill is 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 enormous important here. And the other thing is uh, to what extent you start thinking for your users and how you start uh, engage them with your users. For example, we as a platform we think for our users and we serve them a certain search. And we, we, and we think that all our users are thinking alike. So uh, the um, uh, serving the suggestions for the search is based on what other people search for and what they found and yeah. what, what they were looking for. So basically, we're, uh, we, we make sure that they're gravitating towards a, a median or a mean, some, something there, mm. instead of, well, these are all our 17,000 options. Pick for yourself. And that's... And there you st- and then if you um, yeah and there the, the, the there is already that you're becoming on a slope on yeah okay uh, on one hand you got to be uh, sh- sell them all these products but in the end you just want to sell them ten because that's where you help them gravitate towards yeah. Yeah, I think that that is a definitely a, a seducing technology or like a way that the tech pl- platforms um, reward the best, the top 10. Uh, but the long tail really uh, suffers in that. Like and if your product isn't displayed or your hotel isn't displayed in the first or second page, then yeah, you have a really hard time to, to promote and to, to convert. Um, so yeah, uh, that, 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 that is really tough. So I, I think... And that that is one benefit that we learned um, also, I think, during Corona, that local behavior also has a um, advantage of building a relationship directly with your customer. Right. And and that is the advantage that a lot of um, platforms uh, have, like they do have CRM systems, but um, as a local business, you also can can do much more about marketing around loyalty um and to grow business and that's that's i think um, um if you're a journalist you you see that now nowadays uh, much more happening they start their own newsletter they're becoming much more uh, entrepreneurial because they don't want to um yeah they want to have the personal branding and that, that this fan relationship rather than being part of a wow. news house or reliable on a, uh, reliance on a news house. Um, and I think that is the same for if you're a local retailer then uh, or, if, or if you're a local hotel, then then you just want that com- commitment and community around you of your your biggest fans. Mm. And I think that trend will 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 definitely come back. Um, more and more, and people will uh, be more, I think, loyal to to those lo- um, low company retailers, um, etc. Than than just signing up for a few big platforms. Uh, yeah. So we um, uh, we heard your story about uh, about Edix in tech, 
Um, really interesting to, to hear. Uh, what can, can we expect more from you in the near future? New book, more columns? <laughs> Yeah, definitely more columns. Um, I, uh, it's, it's really nice to, to to write on a weekly basis on uh, and it, like you know it's um, um, it, it's challenging I think what, uh, like to, to deliver every week uh, week on week a new topic, but it's also is a great way to keep up with the trends and all the technology and what's happening on international level. Um, so. I definitely would be keen to write a second book, um, if that's fiction or non-fiction. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure yet, but I'll. Um, I, I have something in mind that is more um, showcasing evolution and re revolution of technology companies and where we're heading. Um, uh, but um, at this moment, I'm super passionate about journalism and um, uh, fighting misinformation and how we can stop that and understand tactics, behavior and how to work with educational institutes and regulatories on uh, fighting misinformation to make sure that uh, those effects aren't, um, um, aren't so rapidly visible like we have seen over the last months. Um, so I'm working with a few startups on that, and then um, my daily job is uh, content partnerships for uh, Podimo, uh, a podcast player um, that is um, that has an app. But I'm uh, like the reason why I'm uh, interested in uh, working on that is that um, that it's like a nice combination of journalism and also tech in a scalable way. Um, where we can enable more uh, people to tell their stories. And hopefully that results in more empathy and uh, connectedness. Yeah, awesome. Hey, Peter Paul, before we go to the closing round, do you have questions left uh, for now? Oh man, I got a thousand questions left. <laughs> <laughs> I can't pick one. Oh no. No, I can't pick one. Sorry. Many hooks. <laughs> There's too many hooks that are still open. It's, yeah. I think, I, it's so, such an interesting topic. So I think I suggest we just go to the closing round. Sure. Yeah. So what's yeah your biggest uh, takeaway for for the listeners, uh, Sanne? Um, well, I think now there is uh, such good momentum now to rethink what technology. Uh, brought us, but also what what should it bring in the future? And I guess, like what I ever encourage, would encourage everyone is to think about uh, their their relationship with tech. I guess, like if that's an app or uh, uh, maybe like uh, addictedness to certain social media, um, and what what is it really bringing us? So um, how can we use that as an advantage? And um, how can we build new platforms that stay true to, to their values, to our value? Um, that is something on my mind, I guess. But I, I guess uh, if we want to close with an important uh, takeaway, then I would say, let's get ethical. <laughs> yeah. Great. Thanks. Yeah, so, yeah. That... <laughs> Really, really uh, <laughs> great to have, have you in the show, uh, Sanne. And uh, I, I think I was already a fan of you, and uh, it, it's, uh, it became bigger, uh, became a bigger fan. Uh, I also think we have uh, two options to to name this podcast uh, episode. It's it's rethink your relationship with tech, or it's uh, let's get ethical. Uh, <laughs> really great to uh, yeah, summarize it all. 
Let's A-B test it. Yeah. What works better? <laughs> I don't think we have that yet on, on TechLab, but we can try. Uh, <laughs> we posted it oh, no. as two episodes and just find out what, what gets what more. What happens? Uh, yeah. <laughs> good, good idea. Damn, you had a good idea. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, so thanks, thank uh, you so much, guys. I really enjoyed uh, chatting to you, and I, I, I actually um, got some new ideas and uh, also inspiration on work uh, to work on different, like, uh, uh, rethink about the moral conscience and pick that up again. So, uh, thanks. Um, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Great story. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. Leave a 5-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word. We like interactions, so if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn or mail techlab at ball.com. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun! <laughs>